Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to a little update podcast here on Sailing Into Oblivion. Holy cow, I'm covered in some uh, anti-fouling paint. And, oh my gosh, well, I will say now that the bottom of the boat looks amazing. Again, immaculate, super crazy bright red. I use this stuff called Vivid. Which is really nice. Um, seems to work really good. It's an ablative, if I'm pronouncing that correct, uh, kind of paint. So it, if you touch it, it essentially sort of comes off on your fingers. And I've had pretty good luck with that stuff. Uh, it's pretty pricey, about $280 per gallon. And to do just two coats on Sparrow, I need to get two gallons to to do it. The first coat always goes on pretty pretty thick and uh, juicy, so to speak. And then the second coat is usually a lot easier to, to sort of get done. But, oh my gosh, at one point I, you know, you're standing there and, and I'll tell you, I always make this mistake at some point. I lay the paint tray down on the ground instead of putting it on like a stool or something. And uh, yeah, inevitably I end up stepping on it or in it essentially. And luckily I didn't lose very much. Uh, most of it went directly onto my work pants and my shoe or my, my, my lobster boot, so to speak. And, uh, so it wasn't too bad of a loss. Uh, the biggest thing is losing, you know, if you tip over, like if you tipped over the can and you had half a can of paint, I mean, literally you're talking $140 worth of paint just down the drain. So you do have to be kind of careful. And somehow I always screwed up and I thought I was doing well. The first half of this process was going great. Uh, it was kind of cold this morning, so everything's covered in dew. Uh, I, I essentially go by Murphy's Law, as in Thomas Murphy's Law, when it comes to this uh, this anti-fouling stuff. Like I said, I mean, I, I've painted, I don't know how many boats with anti-fouling paint, and I've done Sparrow tons of times now i guess seven times something like that and i've tried i used to try all sorts of different things sanding it scraping it even taking like a wire brush to it um but now essentially all i do is uh it gets pressure washed really thoroughly lots of places where the paint flakes off and all that sort of stuff and then uh i let it sit for the rest of the haul out just like that and then when i know i'm going to go and start prepping and do some uh bottom paint i'll go in with the scraper and any spots where i can see there's some flaking or cracking or anything like that with the old shell of paint because a lot of it stayed on uh it held up really well this last coat and um i just scrape along the edges try and scrape as much of it off as possible and then I try to sort of scrape around the edge and and ferret out a little bit. And I guess I could go the extra mile and try and ferret out by sanding it, but I'm not just not uh not too worried about it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh you can put a ton of effort into making bottom paint look really great, but if you're if you're headed out to sea for a long time or you're just headed out and then you're gonna be sitting at a dock for a long time. You're going to have to scrape the thing eventually uh, in both scenarios. So 
after four, five, six months, it's it's just inevitable. It has to happen. So I don't worry too much about it, but I sand wherever there's just it's all the way down to the barrier coat, and then uh, and then just start slobbing it on with a big roller. And uh, but first, obviously, you tape it off. That's probably the more I probably put more effort into taping off the boat than I do uh, anything else, just because that sort of makes or breaks how good it looks. Because when you peel that tape off, if there's a lot of loose bits and the paint gets underneath it, or you do a wiggly line, then all of a sudden your water line doesn't look very good, and uh, you know nobody wants that, right? So, uh, but in any event, it's just basically another. Another thing checked off the old list uh, of of things, and I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna cross that off right now physically right here. Oh, that feels good because that was in the uh, sort of the big job category and the high cost category as well. You know, 280 bucks times two. It ain't cheap, but it is definitely worth it. Um, so, and I got a hold of the fuel tank, uh, the fuel polishing tank cleaning guy so thursday um it's gonna come out we're gonna polish the fuel clean the tanks and uh then i'll be good to fill fill the tanks with diesel uh luckily he had said and this was this was kind of interesting i'd really like to have him on the podcast to do just maybe like a short one uh like 20 minutes or something like that and just get the ins and outs of how his little operation works but essentially one of the the first thing that I started to notice was that when I do change the fuel filter, I'm finding I was starting to find what looked like dark coffee grounds on the top, and essentially that's the algae that's growing in your diesel in the freshwater condensation or whatever. I'm not the expert, uh, which is why it'll be interesting to talk to this guy. And, and maybe if he doesn't want to do a podcast, then at least uh i can get some information and uh and then share it with everybody don't tell don't tell <laughs> um but so get that completed and uh or sorry i lost track so that was the first thing that i started to see and then i would just see it more often and um the engine took a little longer to start sometimes than it had in the past and i think that's because you know the fuel filter is getting all clunged up um but on the last two voyages or so like small you know hops from from down south to up north and everything i found that when i was running the engine out there at sea um every once in a while it would sort of start revving like it was starved of fuel because this engine, uh, and I'm assuming most diesel engines, um, as soon as it's not getting enough fuel, like you forget to put on the, the fuel uh, valve or something like that, the engine will run for a while, and then once it can't get any more fuel, it starts to rev up and down a little bit. And that's sort of my signal, like run, get to it, shut it down, so that you don't have to bleed the whole system out, um, uh, which is, you know, it's not a huge problem, but kind of a pain if you don't have to if you can catch it quick enough then you'd be able to uh just fire the engine up once you've opened up the valve or put more fuel in the tank so uh but yeah i started to have that happen so i'd run down and i'd pump the uh the little lift pump which is a manual sort of pump that you can you can pump with your finger on the side of uh most diesels and 
that would build up a little bit of pressure and then it would run fine for about five minutes and then it would do it again. And then eventually uh, it just stopped doing that and then I was good to go. But you can imagine, you know, out at sea, it's not a big deal. You're you're way out there. If the engine stops, you have to bleed the engine, all that sort of stuff. It's it's fine. You've you're a thousand miles from land, so it doesn't matter anyway. It's just an inconvenience. Uh, or as I like to, if you want to look on the bright side, I guess it could be considered uh, practice. So it's always good to practice these sort of things. Um, but no, seriously, if you're on the intercoastal though, or coastal cruising and the weather's not great or for whatever reason there's dangers around you the last thing that you want is to have any sort of engine failures and uh, issues like that where all of a sudden timing is of the essence you got to get this thing fixed fast Um, you know let's say let's just say for instance you've got a a lee shore and um, maybe the wind dies and the current's dragging you in or something like that. Somewhere you can't use the sails to actually get you out of said uh, situation. But in any event, uh, so that was happening and it didn't happen on the last trip. And I don't know if I can just equate that or chalk that up to the fact that I, I essentially, you know, bled the system and changed the fuel filter straight away. I have not changed them since I got up here, uh, but I do have, just FYI, heading out on this trip, which may end up being uh, a couple of months, but uh, you know, may not as well. I still I have six fuel filters and I have four uh, oil filters. And now I do need to get uh, two more gallons of oil so that I could use those. Uh, but I don't expect to have the whole oil change situation going on because uh, pulling water in through the exhaust because I've sort of figured that problem out. I'm able to use the valve and everything. Um, uh, for anybody who's you know new to the podcast, essentially, Sparrow's exhaust uh, through hull, where the exhaust comes out of the boat, is like an inch over the waterline. And when I'm really driving uh, and sailing hard and surfing waves and stuff, it's under the water almost all the time. So the what was going on is my anti-siphon brake wasn't working or whatever. Um, something was going wrong and salt water would get sucked in through the exhaust and then wind up in the engine. And it's a really pain in the butt sort of thing to deal with, especially out at sea. You know, you got to take the injectors out. You have to uh, blow the system out, blow all the water out, change the oil, change the oil filter bleed the system, the fuel system, put all the injectors back in. And, um, you know, essentially you're using a lot of stuff that you don't want to have to use. And it just takes a lot of time. So, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) So that's, uh, that being said, that's what I take out, uh, on, on Sparrow. That's, that's pretty good. Um, I think I've talked about it before as far as engine stuff goes, but, you know, some impellers and then some uh, alternator belts and things like that so that you can replace those if you need. And, uh, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. It's like we like to say around here. <laughs> mm. But uh, looking at the weather and all that sort of stuff, it's weird out there. I don't I don't know what's going on right now. Um, and I must say, I almost don't know what's going on for the last like year or so because even the trip up here in may when we had that 
nor'easter, and I got waylaid uh, in Massachusetts or uh, Maryland. It was uh, this stationary sort of system, and right now there's a big low pressure system, like a really broad area, but it's it's not like a, a normal one that's tightly packed. I mean, it's, it's real, it's, it's wide open. It's like a big band of, of sort of bad weather, but it did look like for a while that I was going to be able to, excuse me, shoot North or shoot out uh, on Tuesday, but that definitely, well, obviously it can't happen for the fuel polishing now, but you know, we get a system, we get the winds coming out of the North and then, and mostly everything is generally moving to the north and northeast like it should like i'm used to um but it does you know it's chunks of this stuff break off like friday the winds start to come out of the southwest which is actually pretty good for me and then clock around a little bit more out of the west and it's blowing decent i could make some easting uh get get myself away from the coast a little ways I'm, i'm actually watching the weather right now and then by sunday it starts to get a little fickle, but then I start getting more westerlies depending on where I'm going. And then this system sort of sweeps up from the south, but it's it's something that built in the middle of the Atlantic instead of coming off the coast uh, like they normally do. But again, every time I look at the extended forecast, I'm it's always completely changing. Like right now, it's really looking way better than it looked this morning now that i'm talking about the weather they're predicting for wednesday so if i were to leave on saturday so that's one day two day three day that's four days i can get 400 500 miles offshore if the wind holds and that should get me sort of out of the range of some of this ugly stuff because typically my first inclination is to get to the Gulf Stream or across the Gulf Stream, so the weather's a lot warmer and it's a lot nicer. And um, typically, too, if you get that far south, then you get out of some of the worst of the the storms that come off the coast around Cape Cod and even Hatteras, because they're typically going northeast. But I don't know, a lot of these systems seems to be not not really doing what they normally do. So. It is kind of strange, but it just seems like we've got a bit of unsettled weather here in the uh, the North Atlantic. And then when I skip down to go see what the uh, Golden Globe racers are going through, Southern Ocean looks like dead calm, beautiful down there. Uh, they do have a bit of a system there. A lot of these these uh, the racers are going. They're pretty deep. They're around 37 degrees south. Um, there is a little bit of a ridge line going through. Uh, but nothing, nothing crazy. Like, uh, there's the possibility of a little low pressure system starting up that might hit some of the people in the, in the end, uh, or in the, the back side of the fleet, but it looks pretty good. There's a massive low that's coming off of, uh, coming out of the, um, Antarctic, but that's too not even going to really reach the Cape of Good Hope. So they're all doing pretty well. Um, they're they're getting some really good good weather down there for crossing. If anything, they're, they don't have enough wind, uh, which is a problem that most people don't realize happens quite often down in the Southern Ocean. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I think uh, 
we'll just have to play it by ear. I, I try my best not to get too wrapped up in the extended forecast of what's going on after four days from today. Uh, just because it seems like no matter what, it's going to change. Um, I do think, though, that it is it's worth looking at the broad scope of things as far as high pressure systems, low pressure systems, because uh, it gives you a little bit of an idea of what you can sort of expect will happen. But to try and nail down the wind 10 days out, eight days out, seven days out, it's not worth it. It's not worth uh, planning too much. But it does, like right now, with the forecast that we have, and again, today's Monday, I'm thinking about dropping the boat in Friday and sailing out on Saturday or dropping it on Thursday, um, just to make it a little easier to provision the boat, But because then I'll be at dock level instead of climb up the ladder level, uh, which makes it way easier. And I do believe that uh, it might be easier to do the fuel polishing on Thursday as well. Mm. Uh, when we're on the dock because it's uh, just a little bit easier. So in any event, uh, yeah, I, I figure, okay, well, Friday or Saturday does look decent for a departure. So let's make that our approximate departure date and let's get that boat ready about two days before then. And that gives me a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, I learned on, I think it was the last big voyage that I set my departure date a few days earlier than I actually wanted. And when that time came, I still had things that I had to do and it gave me a little breathing room. So right now <clears throat> I'm just going to say that Saturday's the departure. So I'd like to have the boat ready to go by Thursday with only fueling needing to be done and maybe last minute shopping. You know, if you've got a little bit of money in the bank account left, my plan is to use and abuse it, get out there and, and get all the things that I didn't think I could afford sort of thing. And, uh, I don't know, you know, it's going to be a sparse trip, but uh, I did order quite a few used books on Amazon, uh, a whole series of the Jack Reacher novels, which I absolutely love. And so I have about 10 of those, which I'm, I'm, I'm like trying not to crack open. And I had one of the most incredible visits from uh, a listener uh, I I think so far, and and I've met quite a few really great great people who have sort of uh, connected with me over the show and and over email, and then we end up in the same place. But um, Miles came down from Brunswick, Canada, and uh, he shared an incredible story. He's inspirational, um, just a, an amazing person who has essentially sort of changed his life. He went from working all the time, having all the stuff, accumulating things, selling it all, buying a boat and learning how to sail because, you know, essentially I think he he really not to tell his whole story by any means, but uh he had sort of a life-changing event happen, at, not really, well yeah, life-changing event that essentially showed him just how mortal we are and can be and that that whole idea of I'll I'll do it next year and all that sort of stuff is uh, a bit of a trap in a lot of ways and you can find that uh in some ways we sort of take our lives for granted that they're going to last a certain amount of time and 
unfortunately, it's just not how it works. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's just one of those things. I, I always, I told him that I was very fortunate, I think, to have a mindset of wanting to do the things that I want to do and follow the dreams and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that was sort of the, that was the priority because I don't know, I guess I had it in my head not to be morbid, but I had it in my head that, you know, at any moment, this whole thing can just come to a screeching halt, you know, um, in a car, on a plane, wherever. And, you know, I, not that you would even know it if it did happen, I guess, but, uh, or the worst case scenarios that you, you get some crazy diagnosis and then you're in a hospital and, and then you get to sit there and think about all the things you didn't do. I mean, for my money, I'd, uh, I'd love it to be quick and, uh, quick and easy, quick and painless too. Uh, or a shark attack. Cause for some reason I feel like that'd be kind of, you know, awesome. <laughs> Awesome for everybody else. Uh, not so great for, for old J Rome. So maybe I'll take that one back. But in any way, um, <clears throat> I went on YouTube and did a live stream the other night, uh, ranting about all this technology and the tracking and the messaging and all this sort of stuff. What a nightmare. Holy cow. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I just was super frustrated because I wanted to, you know, you see the glitz and the glam of the predict wind thing with the Iridium Go, and uh, then you've got the the Starlink brand new, all stuff, which I, you know, unfortunately, I like to stay with stuff that's really proven, and the Iridium Go has a pretty good track record. We're going to find out, though, when we're out at sea, if that sucker loves to disconnect and all that. Essentially, I was having trouble linking my old sat phone with the computer, and I had had trouble on the last two journeys, and I didn't want to have to deal with that anymore. So I bought the bit the bullet and bought the the Iridium Go. So we're gonna see how that goes. But I also wanted to be able to uh, allow people to see the voyage and sort of track it and see what's going on each day. Um, you know, with the old 8 a.m. sort of or 7 a.m. Uh, updates. The only problem is. Uh, that whole package with the uh, the predict wind and stuff is insanely expensive. It's too much, too rich for my blood. And uh, you know, honestly, I don't think I have enough time right now. If I were to do a giant trip, you know, around the world or figure eight around the Americas, something like that, if I was attempting to do that sort of thing, then I would probably uh, probably delve into it a bit more. But this being a journey of uh, sort of questionable destinations um you know let the wind take me where it will sort of thing and uh go out there and enjoy it i i just had to sort of uh pinch the pennies and bite the bullet and essentially for updates and all that sort of stuff i hate to say it because i don't like to use uh any sort of social media platforms um you know i bailed on facebook a long time ago i know it was a decent way to update people back in the day but yeah, forget that. Um, so it was it was really the only the only way I can easily update people with a map and position of where I am, plus a little blurb about what's going on is going to be through Twitter. Um, and so my Twitter account, I'll link it in here, but it's die sailing. Uh, funny enough, and um, essentially every day I will pump out a 
quick little update and that will tell everybody sort of what's going on. And, you know, I know it's kind of a pain and I'm sure some people are like, oh man, I'm not, you know, downloading Twitter and all this stuff. And I, I completely understand that. If there were any way that I could figure out how to zip this thing off and, uh, run it onto <clears throat> something else, like even, I, I know my uncle Bill helped me one time with getting the Twitter feed posted directly onto my website. <clears throat> but I don't think I can ask him to do that again. Maybe I'll maybe I'll hit him up and see, uh, because then I I suppose that would be kind of cool. Um, but I you know I have to look back and see see all that see see if it actually worked and when if it was just my daily update. But I I really want people to be able to see on the map where I am and and all that sort of thing. So unfortunately, right now that's that's the only way I can sort of share the experience. Um. I do wish it were a little bit better than that, but hey, it's uh, better than nothing. I I do have to say that it's one of those things where, you know, uh, not too long ago, uh, I would have just been heading out and it would have been, you wouldn't have heard from me for who knows how long. Um, I am going to try and put together a couple of podcasts that'll get posted, you know, a month from now, two months from now, something like that, just in case. So uh, uh, people don't get don't abandon everything too, too quickly. Uh, but as, as far as some of that stuff goes, uh, I do want to mention for, for my, my Patreon family. Um, I, I can't thank you all enough for all the support. I've had some new people join in recently and, uh, I kind of feel bad because, you know, there, there won't be much in the way of content for a little while. I'll be making it while I'm out there at sea, uh, and bringing it back. But, Unfortunately, I won't uh, I won't be able to post anything unless I'm able to get a couple of episodes out. But it could be could be a number of months that I'm out there. So I will not take it personally if anybody feels the need to uh, drop their drop their Patreon status. I would completely understand that and uh, no hard feelings <clears throat> or anything like that. So definitely no worries. <clears throat> oh man, I got like a frog in my throat here. But I do want to thank you all for the continued support and you've you've helped out quite a bit. Uh I've been able to purchase you know, a lot of stuff for the boat that I I would not have been able to to pick up um had, without all your generosity. So I really really do thank you guys very much and uh I look forward to uh, getting back and everything. This is, is by no means the last podcast, uh, before I leave, I'll definitely do one the night before I'm sure, um, of the actual departure day, but I, you know, I want to make sure I'll be pretty, uh, wired up at that point. And, uh, I want to make sure I'm getting, getting all the things that I want to say to everybody out there. But, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a ton of fun looking at the numbers. We hit over a hundred thousand downloads not too long ago, and uh, I never would have thought for a second that was going to happen. I was just going to share some of the voyage uh, and see if that would help me sell books or anything like that. But it's turned into this great thing, and uh, all the people that I get to sit down with, and it's just amazing, absolutely amazing. I hope to get to sit down with Murph before I take off. That's one. If I get to sit down with Murph and we just have a nice little chat, I'll be pumping that one out in a month or two while I'm out at sea, so you guys can all enjoy that. But I do look forward to the future of uh, of the show, you know, 
even if I only go out there for a couple of weeks or whatever, um, it'll be some interesting stuff as far as why I, I guess, end up coming in. Either I go through hellacious weather or the, the breakdowns start happening or my mind starts collapsing. I don't even know, but it will, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be nice to bring back a bunch of podcasts and sort of revamp the show with that, uh, a new adventure, all that sort of thing, and then dive right back into the interviews and stuff. So uh, I think that's going to be it for now because it's Halloween and the boss has a Halloween party. So I'm going to try to ramp up my energy level uh, and get going on that. So we will see. But uh, for everybody, Anybody that, uh, I don't know, I'm not even going to say become a patron at this point because I, I would feel so bad if somebody became a patron and then I, I basically didn't post anything for a while. Um, <laughs> but I will say thank you all so much for your support. If you do want to reach out to the show, um, do it within this next few days uh, at sailingintooblivion.com. Just go to the podcast link and then uh, contact the show. And I will try to get to it. No promises at this point because it is, uh, I'm still working. I got a full day of work tomorrow and then more and more to do on, uh, on Old Sparrow. But she's getting there. The list is getting smaller and smaller, which is really great. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for today. So thanks for listening and have a very happy, very safe Halloween.